welcome to Rethink, the future of skilled nursing, a podcast from Skilled Nursing News. I'm your host, Maggie Flynn. The pandemic turned the world of nursing homes upside down, and third-party rehabilitation was no exception to the shakeup. But Tammy Timonaro, the new CEO of Century Rehabilitation, is thinking beyond the pandemic. She joined Rethink in September to talk about her new role and Century's plans for the future, including the ramifications of the patient room payment model and the evolving demands of the post-acute landscape. I'm joined by Tammy Timonaro, the new CEO of Century Rehabilitation. Tammy, thank you so much for joining me on Rethink today. Hi, thanks for having me. So the very first place I wanted to begin with this interview is simply to go into what has changed, because it seems like everything has changed now for skilled nursing in the COVID-19 era. And I think now that we're, you know, roughly, you know, eight months into it now, a little bit, a little bit shorter than that, I think people are, are sort of accepting this as the backdrop as, okay, we have to work with this. We have to understand how to operate normally in this. And rehabilitation is such a crucial part of the skilled nursing space. So in the COVID-19 era, what has Century Rehabilitation seen in terms of changes and how you work with your skilled nursing partners? Just what happened when this pandemic hit for you and how has Century Rehabilitation responded? Well, that's a great question. I think with COVID-19, what we're finding as a company is that we are constantly having to reevaluate our service delivery model. Overall, our goals have not changed. Our residents still need care. We are committed to providing quality care with the best outcomes. However, our approach has had to change slightly. With the, you know, implementation of telehealth, you know, that was really a, I don't want to say necessary evil, but while it's not the ideal mode of delivery, in our opinion, it's definitely needed. We've lost some of our efficiencies as well. But like I said, the, the residents still need care and even more so now. What we're finding is that some of our residents, the needs have changed. We were seeing because of a lack of socialization, maybe more cognitive deficits, more depression issues. The other thing that we're, we're really finding, and it's just now starting to emerge, is what are the long, long-term effects of COVID-19 on patients in skilled nursing settings? Some of the respiratory issues that we're starting to see. And then, you know, what's yet to be seen. But I think primarily our, our focus has not changed. We're, we're still looking at the best way to give quality care with the best outcomes and to work with our partners. Infection control, of course, has been a, a big topic and we've had to reevaluate how we go about our day to day with our therapists. That, that has never really been a, an area where therapy was really concerned with, you know, PPE and those types of things. So, again, I think we're reevaluating it every day, but our goals never change. We are committed to giving the best quality care and the best outcomes for the residents. The point you raised about the telemedicine is really interesting because I've spoken with a couple different telehealth providers that overall are quite optimistic about what this entire situation means for a broader implementation of telehealth and some of the benefits. But for therapy, it is a little bit different. It's not as straightforward as just setting up the technology and getting ready to go. And I'm curious, from Century's perspective, what were some of the, you know, 
issues that you ran into with telehealth, obviously something you can work with. And obviously, you know, it's still a good thing to be able to provide the care. But when it comes to telehealth specifically, how does that fit into your plans for the future when for therapy, it might not necessarily be the most optimal mode of delivery? Yeah, I think that, like I said, we telehealth for therapy developed out of a need, a necessity. And I, I do think it has a place and it's a great option when there is no other option. We definitely believe face, face-to-face interaction is best. And because we are a, you know, a hands-on therapeutic resource, really ultimately being able to, you know, put your hands on a resident is the best, the best means. But ultimately our patients need care. And we have to become creative and resourceful to ensure that care and the, and the outcome. So, you know, we the biggest challenge has probably been just re-educating therapists as to how to use when and where this is this is applicable, as well as having hands-on resources in the facilities from the technology side. So sometimes it, it's a challenge because of just simple simply manpower. While we can remotely have an, a physical therapist or an occupational therapist dialing in, we still have to have someone on the ground in the facility with the resident. As well as, you know, from a technology standpoint, sometimes the population that we are dealing with is not, you know, as techno- technologically savvy as as some other populations. So that's been one of the biggest challenges, um, just simply re-educating to use the technology and having the, the boots on the ground in the facility to be able to facilitate the telehealth. How have you handled that element of needing the boots on the ground in the in the COVID era? And then I guess, how do you see that getting, you know, deployed in the future, given that this entire situation and the concerns raised from it seem likely to be a big part of skilled nursing for some time to come? Just how has that been a part of the model, getting people on the ground? Does it vary from facility to facility? Or have you been able to work out some kind of standard systemic way to sort of get a presence in the facility while being mindful of all the infection issues? We have a presence in every facility, first and foremost. We have gone out and we have beefed up our staff. So if we, in the past, we may have had a physical therapist that did evaluations in two, maybe even three facilities if they were near each other and with with smaller senses. Now we can't have those those folks present in all three of those different facilities. So we're doing telehealth from that aspect, but we have not taken our assistance or maybe rehab tech. Somebody is still in that facility, and in, in many cases, it meant we had to go out there and hire more staff which I think for in this environment is a really good thing. We saw so many therapists get furloughed or clinics just had to shut down for some time. But in the skilled nursing setting, we, you know, we couldn't shut down. We had to be there. And so we went out there and rather than cutting our staff, we started adding to our staff and, and trying to become more efficient. We also have worked very closely with our partners in the facility. So the operators in the facility in some instances where it may have been a little bit more difficult for us to have somebody in the facility for, you know, six to eight hours a day readily available, we have partnered with the operators to determine 
do they have staff perhaps that could help us in this situation? So whether it be maybe a restorative aid or a, a CNA, and we've been very successful in that area as well, just really partnering with our providers because, again, our goals are the same. Our goals are aligning. The residents still need the care, and we've, we've still got to work toward those outcomes. The point about the outcomes is something I actually wanted to ask about in terms of not just the changes in COVID, but the changes in how therapy and skilled nursing have have gone more broadly over the past few decades. I was curious, you've been with Century for quite some time. How have you seen the relationship between skilled nursing facilities and rehab providers changing over the course of your overtime? And where do you see that you know, going, especially as more and more, pe- more providers become concerned with outcomes? That's a very good question. And I, I almost want to say what has not changed rather than what has changed over the years. But I think for Century, what has not changed is that we have always been in the business of building really strong partnerships not just being a vendor, but going out there and really building a partnership with our operators to ensure that quality care and excellent outcomes. In the past, rehab or therapy was more of a department within a nursing facility, and now we are much more integrated. In the past, therapy came in. We may have told the facility nursing or MDS what we were doing you know, maybe gave an update on progress with the resident, but pretty much just came in, told them what we were doing and moved on. Now it's a true collaboration with with the entire interdisciplinary team. We are constantly reevaluating what we're doing and how it fits in with our clients' goals. I think for the future, flexibility will be the key. Historically, contract therapy providers in the long-term care setting have had a a certain way that they set up their program. And I think going forward, we will have to have flexibility with our service models, whether that's, you know, adding, just having value adds, new service lines, maybe different models of care delivery, whatever it is, we've got to do whatever we need to do to, to achieve those outcomes and align our goals with those of the facility. One thing that is interesting in terms of the changes is just even before all of this rehab and therapy was kind of set to undergo a bit of a change in, in how it operated in the skilled setting with PDPM. And I'm curious, just how has how has that gone? And then how did that get get changed up with everything else that happened in between? I guess how does that how does that new model get integrated with everything that Century has seen during the pandemic? Again, our goal was always to be a good partner with our providers, not just a vendor. We've entrenched ourselves into the facility. We have had to modify our processes to more closely align with our partners. So we, we look at the patient as a, as a whole, as an individual, not just a, a cookie cutter program that we're, we're bringing in. I think one of the best things to come out of PDPM and some of the, the changes that come along with that is I feel like we have been able to empower our therapists. We were able to give guild intervention back to therapists and really have them do what they were educated to do, have them really tap into their skill sets. 
because they're now able to really look at the patient holistically as an inter- as part of the interdisciplinary team. And we've seen some really good things come out of that. And I don't feel like the pandemic has really changed that about us. We've just, we've had to perhaps redirect and re-educate in some instances, but I do think all in all, PDPM is a great change in the skilled nursing setting. It took a little bit to figure it all out, but I think we, we're there now. And, and of course, we were, we were just beget, becoming the experts in PDPM when, when COVID came about, but I don't think that we've really changed our trajectory on that. We still really want to look at the resident as an individual and look at them holistically. Well, and on that note of, of looking at the resident holistically, one thing I did want to ask about was simply just the push that I have heard about from many different people in the who, who focus on the intersection of skilled nursing and therapy, the move to outcomes and the need to sort of really have therapy think about outcomes in this setting. What does that look like for Century and how have you been you know, thinking about that um, both over your time there and then as you move into this new role? Well, I think that we have always focused on outcomes. Everything we do has is based around outcomes. So going forward and, and what we what we think that looks like going forward, we are implementing some different strategies from some of our auditing tools where we're looking at outcomes versus maybe documentation strengths. So in other words, we are trying to call correlate residents with really good outcomes, does that correlate to therapists who have very good, strong documentation skills? And what we're finding is that there's often a correlation there. So we start with looking at the competencies of our our therapists. And when I say competencies, it's, it's not to go out there and you know, find who's not doing doing something the right way, but more identifying trends and opportunities and using that to educate and give our folks the resources that they need to do their job, whether it be, you know, better clinical pathways, decision trees, whatever we can give our folks to make them more efficient and to really be able to focus their care on treating the resident, not just, you know, we've got to fall into this category with this many minutes and, and that kind of thing, but really being able to treat the resident and, and giving them those tools and resources to do that. You know, we also, with outcomes, there's so much data out there and we have a lot of unused data. So what we are working on right now, we're actually working with some outside partners to take some of the data we already have because we collect it. I mean, CMS is collecting it, we're collecting it, and really be able to to tap into that data through some some of the data analytics tools out there, the business intelligence tools, to really be able to extrapolate and show our partners what we truly are doing and what our efforts, combined efforts, are accomplishing. I'm not a technology expert by any means, but I I do know that the data exists and we're just really trying to mine it right now and we're we recognize that we're going to have to partner with some of some folks outside of our expertise 
to really get down to that and um, be able to to show our partners as well as to show the entire industry that that what we do, what therapy does within the nursing facility really does have value at the end of the day. I think that's actually a really good segue into the last question that I wanted to ask, which is simply about for centuries specifically, what are some of the priorities that you have you know, thinking ahead and going forward, I just recently, a few weeks ago, did um, did a story on just some of the proposed cuts that are in the Medicare physician fee schedule. So I know that's something that many therapists have on their minds. But I'm also curious, just, you know, what are some of the other priorities? And you've gone over some of the initiatives that you're working on here. And I'm just curious how you're thinking about areas to focus on, how you're thinking about where rehab is going and how, you know, those are going to be, you know, a focus and part of implementation going forward. Yeah, you know, you hit on the the proposed fee schedule changes, which, you know, we we've successfully navigated reimbursement changes for the last twenty years or so, and and we will navigate this one as well. I think, like with all cuts, because this is basically is a cut to our our revenue. What we as a company have to do is mitigate our losses, and we have to do that by becoming more efficient without compromising patient care and outcomes. And how we do that is by making sure and ensuring that we we still have quality, competent staff. And we will do that with educational resources, you know, really trying to be a premier company to work for. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately. I wish I did because then this would all be easy. But we think priority going forward is going to be really working behind the scenes to give our therapists out there the tools and resources that they need. I I mentioned this earlier, but if we can behind the scenes give them offer give them a toolkit more or less that they don't have to spend their very precious, valuable time maybe researching or, or or coming up with ideas, but we give them the clinical pathways. That's not to say we're telling them how to treat a, a resident, but we are giving them clinical pathways. We're giving them decision trees so that they have that at their disposal so they can become more efficient. They can focus on actually treating the resident, not having to make all of these these decisions along the way. I also think data, as I mentioned before, data is that is power, and we're in you know we're in a an age where it, data is readily available. So I think we have to which which therapy in the past may not have been the best at this kind of thing, but we've got to really be open minded to allowing some of that data to dictate our direction. We used to live in a in a world where we said the numbers don't lie. I think the data doesn't lie as well. You know, when you when specific clinical pathways or treatment options produce the best outcomes, then then we've got to really look at are we listening to that data? That's definitely been in the healthcare world in general, and I think for many people, they are working through how they use it. So definitely, it will be interesting, and I look forward to hearing how how you guys work with it and from it in the future. Tammy, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Thank you, Maggie. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rethink. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And for more news and insights on the skilled nursing industry, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at skillednursingnews.com. 
I'm Maggie Flynn, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.